3: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
5: And my name is Julie Douglas.
1: But you know these things because if you've been listening to our podcast for the last three years, Mm -hmm. then uh, this is the way we always start our episodes. Sometimes you throw in uh, a curious nickname uh, or two uh, for yourself, Uh, but otherwise... Uh, the intro is pretty much always the same. It's pretty not- straightforward,
5: but today it's a little bit different. You guys can't see here in the studio, but it is just brimming with balloons that have fallen down from the ceiling. huh. And do you know why? I hope that you noted the day.
1: No. What is the day?
5: It's our anniversary. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's been three years since three years. we started this this little caboose of a podcast.
1: Yeah. And at the time, we didn't know uh, how it would go, but it seems to have, have gone, uh, you know, pretty well.
5: Well, and I don't know if listeners know this, but um, we did not pick the name for this podcast. No. It was it was given to us. So when we first started, it kind of felt huge and looming. But ultimately, we thought that we could grow into it since we're both curious types and uh, we are very interested in science.
1: Yeah, the, the, of course. The original podcast was Stuff in the Science Lab, and mm-hmm. then uh, that evolved into this uh, podcast. And and at the time, our, our boss uh, Connell said, uh, "Stuff to blow your mind." That's that's going to be the title. And uh, and and we're like, "All right, we'll run with it. We trust you. You you come up with some great ideas. So let's we'll, we'll see if we can make this work." Because on one hand, we weren't sure—is it kind of cheesy sounding? Maybe. And then also, is that a lot to? Deliver on like yes. are we going to actually <laughs> blow my and it's kind of silly that we were even thinking about that at the time. I was like, dude, what if it's not a what do we do an episode and it doesn't blow people's minds? What if it's not really like crazy awesome in your face like stoner science that we're throwing at 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 you? Like mm-hmm. what happens when it's just kind of oh, that's kind of neat. But I mean, it, in some episodes are, are more mind blowing than others. There are some episodes we've done that I feel even researching them kind of shake me to my core and make me just reevaluate either myself or the mm-hmm. universe, though the world I live in, the culture that I'm a part of. And then there are other episodes where they are just a little bit like, oh, well, that's kind of neat. I never thought about that. But,
3: uh, I feel like that's just
5: all building up on the narrative that we have when we discuss certain themes. Um, so, yeah, obviously that's what we're going to talk about a bit today. Is you know, in our research for Step to Blow Your Mind, how has this influenced our lives? Because obviously this is a very intimate part of our lives, even if this is for work. And um, I wanted just to quickly say that we want to thank everyone who has stuck with us from the beginning, and those of you who have just stumbled upon the podcast. Um, it's largely the conversation that. We- we have with you guys that's helped the direction of the podcast, mm-hmm. and oftentimes really added new layers to it. So,
1: and we've really been fortunate with uh, with our listeners because uh, there are a number of podcasts here in in the uh, How Stuff Works uh, suite of podcasts. I mean, you got. Uh, you know stuff you should know, stuff uh, they don't want you to know, stuff mom never told you, stuff uh you missed in history class all all, the, all these different brands, and we hear about other people's listeners mm-hmm. and they are great listeners uh, great fans for all of the podcasts though I, I feel like we have less in the way of um like evil listeners or bad <laughs> listeners or or uh, negative listeners uh you know we we get we occasionally catch some flack for this that or the other, but but I feel like uh. We got a really good crew.
5: We do, we we often get. Uh, if we get criticism, is it's thoughtful and it's couched in a way that's helpful. Um, yeah. But we also most of the time get feedback that really actually blows my mind. That yes. makes sort of takes the conversation that we're having together and takes it to another level because you guys have gone away with with some of the thoughts of your own on these topics and really spun them. So it's been a very, very nice experience, and so we just wanted to talk a bit uh, today about the different ways that we've digested this stuff. And uh, by the way, we would love to hear from you guys too. Um, you know, if if there are certain things uh, from the podcast that have affected your life, certain bits of information that have made you sort of rethink uh, what's going on in your world.
1: Yeah, indeed. And I should also point: out, we have heard from, we're always hearing from listeners who. Play us in the background during their um, artistic creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're painting or they're, uh, they're building something. Or, or in the, labs, or in the lab, Or they're in the lab. And that's always just really great to hear that we, in some way, and even in just some small way, maybe contribute to their creative process, be it art or science.
5: Indeed. All right. You want to take the first uh, way in which this podcast has changed your life?
1: <laughs> well, well, you know, that, or we could say
5: influenced.
1: Yeah, influenced. Because change tends to, you know, it, it makes you think like you gave up all your your belongings. And, right. You, you know, became you didn't? the Buddha or something. No, no, no. Okay. No. So one thing I would think, it, it's, it's not so much it changed something about me, but I feel like it often strengthens qualities that are already there. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, for instance, um, when it comes to feminism uh, and uh And the the subject of the ladies and, uh, and, you know, who women are, why, what their role is in the species. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like I, I have always been sympathetic to feminist issues, but in the, uh, in the course of the podcast we've discussed, uh, for instance, Ladies Not on Planet Earth was Mm -hmm. an early uh, episode where we talked about such issues as, uh, you know, the, the idea that, uh, that females are the species and that males are merely a mutation necessary for sexual reproduction. Mm-hmm. We looked at examples, especially in the insect world, where males have been phased out. We've looked at some of the theories regarding the destructive uh, aspects of, uh, of patriarchy versus uh, matriarchy in mm-hmm. culture. And uh, uh, we've also discussed witchcraft, witchcraft persecution, the ways in which um, male-dominated culture have um, persecuted women. Mm-hmm. So it really forced me when I, when I encounter stereotypes, when I, when I encounter um, other attitudes regarding regarding sex and gender, um, I, I have all of this science that I bring to my evaluation of it, and I'll think, well, okay, well that person is uh, viewing the world in this way, and, mm-hmm. and here's why, and uh, and and here is maybe what it's more like from a from from an organism level.
5: That's interesting that you say that because um, all of the episodes that you mentioned were of interest to me in the ways that we paint gender. But I think that for me, the bulk of it um, in terms of gender has been our research into the subconscious and symbols and how we create a world of symbols that we move through. And um, so my suspicion has always been that to a large degree, we perform our gender. Um, I know there, I say a large degree, I'm I'm leaving some room there. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, I feel like men and women are are just equally capable of uh, moments of atrocities and moments of grace, you know, both physically and mentally. So uh, I think back to Elizabeth Spelke, who is the cognitive psychologist who responded to Lawrence Sumner's, the then uh, Harvard president who said uh, that there was a shortage of women in science. Uh, or the physical sciences, because perhaps they did not have the sort of um, rigor, the sort of intellectual rigor that allowed them to do well. And she actually looked at decades of her research uh, into infants and children, and she took that data, and she found that there was nothing, there was no... Evidence of early differences between girls and boys on basic number skills, uh, a bunch of different things that she was looking at. And so she said her position is that the null hypothesis is correct? There's no cognitive difference, and nothing to say about it. And she actually debated uh, Dr. Stephen Pinker in a fascinating debate. They're friends, and so they both differed mm-hmm. on this this topic of uh, gender differences in uh, the physical sciences. And if anybody has like I don't know two hours to kill and you <laughs> want you want to look at a transcript of this, it's online, but it's it lays out. Very interesting arguments on this, and I think that that Dr. Spelke does a great job of, of attacking this in the way of saying, let's not overlay gender stereotypes and have them stand in for real data.
1: Now, what about you? What's a what's a, a way in which? Uh working on this podcast has influenced or changed your life
5: oh this consciousness stuff is really uh, it's kind of like the tail wagging the dog problem of death in the afterlife for me yeah and I did not think that that was something that would happen that that, that this um, preoccupation with consciousness would bring up these questions not so much actually uh, you know about what happens after we die because for me that's fairly simple and straightforward the lights kind of go off in the brain and That's it. Uh, For me, it brought it more um, in terms of what happened before. So, this question of consciousness, I feel like, is very much related to the beginnings of the universe. Hmm. So, how do I? I don't know how to explain this. Um, It's troubling to me because that, to me, that's the great void of knowledge. So if we know that we're inherently tied to the universe through chemicals, the chemical imprint, so like hydrogen, helium, and carbon, and oxygen, those are the most common elements in the universe. And we know that hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen are the top three ingredients for life on Earth. And then we look at our bodies, ourselves, and we know that hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen account for 95% of the atoms in the human body. You know, begins to make this case of, well, of course, you know, this is this is something that's tied into uh, something that we can't understand at this point. And we can't also understand consciousness. We can't point to the area in our brain that says this is me. This is what makes me me and makes me understand my place in the world. Just like we can't point to the beginnings of life in the universe and say that's where it began.
1: And see, what you're underlining here is something that's always been part of our um, our mission statement. You know, to to take listeners and ourselves to that aha point, to that Mm -hmm. to the edge of human understanding. And and when you reach that point, then you're just staring off into the void. You're staring staring down into where knowledge drops off into the abyss. And that's I mean, it's an amazing and at times frightening place to be.
5: It is, and i I'm actually uh pretty astounded that, as humans, that we have come this far to understand our our chemical fingerprints in our bodies and in the universe and mm-hmm. tied them all together, but that still leaves this gaping hole in logic and uh and understanding as well, so again, it's not for me necessarily a a religious toned um conversation with myself about what it all means. it just is this question of consciousness that has wrung out some of these more troublesome aspects of how it all began
1: so do you feel like you have more existential dread now than before (laughs) or less Uh,
5: yes and no Yes yeah. and no. And I actually uh, wrote down this this little bit from theoretical physicist Lawrence Krauss in his Cosmic Connections lecture, because it's always given me a measure of, of comfort. And he said, in every breath you take, there are an average of at least 10 oxygen atoms from the dying breath of Caesar, when he said, et tu, Brute? Every time you breathe, you're breathing in atoms of everyone who has ever lived. So when the universe feels immense and, like, there's no beginning and no end, I think about that quote, and I think about how we just essentially, at the end of the day, have this sort of snow globe existence hmm. that we just kind of shake up around all the little elements uh, in the earth that are that are surrounding us.
1: Huh. Well, I, I think, for my own part, with uh, existential dread, I feel like maybe I... I might have the same level of existential dread, but I understand it a little more, mm-hmm. and, then, and maybe in the same way that uh, you know when you're practicing meditation and mindfulness, it's about it's realizing when you're angry or when you're letting your or when you're sad, realizing what your emotional state is, and that being conscious of it is the first step in managing it. So. Uh, maybe maybe I am maybe I have a little less existential dread in in the fact that I am more conscious of how it's working and why I'm feeling that way.
5: Well, it's funny you bring that up because I had also thought that one of the the byproducts of working on this podcast is that there's a meta awareness of my thoughts because we talk about this all the time. That you know that if you can identify your thoughts and identify what is motivating them, mm-hmm. then you can oftentimes really get to the root of a problem, or you can. Uh, you can correct your responses so we've even talked about if you're angry you know count to five because it takes a little bit uh for your prefrontal cortex to get in line with your amygdala Mm -hmm. to make sure that you don't do some sort of crazy thing or say something crazy so there's this there's a sort of wisdom to being able to slow down your thought process and um and figure out what's going on
1: now you said crazy Uh, That is another thing that has uh, has really uh, hit me over uh, the course of these three years is enforcing a pronounced appreciation of the thin line between sanity and insanity, Mm -hmm. between normal and paranormal in the human experience. And we've looked at that in terms of the human brain, all the v- different elements that make consciousness what it is, that make memory what it is, and how fallible all of that is, how how fallible memory is, how the, the slightest changes in, uh, in, in the brain's uh, structure mm-hmm. or chemistry alter the way that we perceive the world, how we interact with it, how um, so many of the things that we see as paranormal experiences, be it uh, an alien abduction, an encounter with elves in the woods, uh, an angelic visitation, the voice of God... In anything from from the from the grand list of uh, of, of the strange and the, and the powerful and the holy, they can they can almost universally all be explained uh, by looking at the way our mind works, at the way our our perception and interaction with the real world works, and uh, and and, it, and it's not something that I feel diminishes the magic of reality mm-hmm. at all. You know, it's not something like oh, there aren't really angels. Isn't that doesn't that suck? No, no, no. it's more that. It's it's more exhilarating to think that that our existence and our and our experience of the world is such a fine line. It's such a, a narrow thing, and uh, you know it's, it's like a tightrope walk.
5: I was thinking about this last night as I was drifting off to sleep because I was seeing images, and I thought, really, this is my brain hallucinating. Because yeah. it doesn't have any stimuli right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's dead quiet and it's dark and it has nothing to chew on, so it's going to start the dream cycle and start hallucinating for me, uh, you know, to recreate maybe the events of my day or just to float off into different areas of exploration. So it really is fascinating. You're right, there, that line, uh, between what is mental order and mental disorder.
1: Yeah, I mean, because it, it, at the end of the day, you're you're encountering the uh, the idea that the brain is the most you know complex uh, structure that we know of. It's this in, intense uh, creation machine, creating, spinning off ideas, uh, uh, spinning off uh, in whole imagined worlds, and uh, and we we are it, and we are at the center of it.
5: All right. So comfort. So you fall in the line of comforting or discomforting.
1: I would say I would say comforting. Yeah, at, at least for me, because I'm still able to enjoy all those other things too. You know, I still can really get into the idea of uh, you know of Dante's Inferno or uh, you know or some horror movie with demons in it or something because it doesn't it doesn't disappoint me to uh, to know that those are uh, uh, creations of the mind and it just shows how fabulous the mind is and it just comes back on, in on itself like that.
5: Cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to discuss the deep, dark secrets of our lives.
2: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Gene, Eugene, Fodor. Gene, was booted.
2: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
0: So you hide the books, Gene.
2: And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination.
4: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here,
1: all right we're back so uh so what else in three years of uh, stuff to blow your mind what else has this changed about you what, how has how has obviously the julie douglas that exists now is different from the julie douglas that existed then
5: core elements different cells still there well core yeah, you're right i've got some new cells
1: yeah new cells and uh and a different brain structure
5: Actually, I do have a very, I think I have a very different brain structure. Yeah. And I say this because, um, as we have mentioned before, I quit drinking alcohol, uh, I don't know, a year and change year, 16 months ago or something. And the reason is because, I began to have foreign o- of an awareness of addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. And so if you have an addiction or a dependency on something like I do with alcohol, it's really hard to sit back and do research on how the brain responds to substances when they're pushed up against the anxieties of life mm-hmm. and, and then not see the patterns right. of, of your own behavior in this light. And... um you know, I think I the thing that was most striking to me is that when we were doing research on, you know, whether it was alcohol or drugs or just talking about the reward system and dopamine, for instance, um, I began to see that these habits that we create for ourselves are really just sort of well-trod circuitry in our brain, this thing that we keep doing over and over again. And for a long time, I had wanted to stop drinking and... and I didn't really. I wasn't able to understand it in a way that I could. But when I got frustrated enough that I had created essentially a chemical feedback loop, mm-hmm. um, I began to understand that this was something that I might be able to reverse. And this was another chilling thing to me: is that learning how memory was affected by alcohol mm-hmm. because if you talk about the hippocampus which is involved in memory making and you look at cells that are bathed in alcohol what you will see is that they lose the ability to connect and communicate with other brain cells and they either aren't going to make any connection and you're not going to have that memory or your brain actually has to create a uh, a sort of plan B for memory and so, what I thought to myself is, not only have I got these chemical feedback loops that I don't want, um, and I've, I've sort of fallen victim to that, uh, but I have, <laughs> you know, I have memory stores that maybe are working or not working in the way that they should be, and that really was something that was troubling to me. So, I will say that through the research and just the constant sort of uh, flow of information about how the brain works, I was able to address that.
1: Okay, so in a sense, did, did the, uh, the research provide you sort of a, the, the scientific backup to force the change? Is that what you're saying?
5: Yeah, I mean, the awareness. When you think mm-hmm. about a habit that you have, you don't normally research your habit to the degree that you are understanding the, the inner mechanisms of how right. that habit is playing itself out.
1: Because it, in a way, sometimes our habits have, uh, they almost have a mind of their own. They almost have a defense mechanism in place to protect themselves from you.
5: Well, that's the story that we tell mm-hmm. whenever we're we're engaging in the habit. So I'm not going to go. I don't want to go into you know addiction too much, but it, you know I will say that this is a, a truthful account of of um, having worked on the podcast over the last three years and doing research on the brain and on memory and on um, you know various substances, and then coming to the conclusion that you know there's there was something. You know, awry in my own personal space that I needed to address. Cool. You? What's your deep dark secret? <laughs>
1: well, um, well, let I'm me kidding. see. Don't... I don't know if I have anything as as powerful as that. Now, I will say that um, I'm I'm pretty sure that working on stuff to blow you mind your mind did force me to give up eating cephalopods. No, um, which I mean I'm not putting that out there like I what I've done is super noble because I'm still probably a huge hypocrite because even though I do not actively seek out pork, I still, I, I, don't think I've yet to oppose it on moral grounds to say I'm not going to eat that because pigs are smart and wonderful, and uh, I respect them as intelligent beings. Uh, whereas with cephalopods, I've kind of chosen my battle there and said, you know, in the past I've really enjoyed eating pretty much any cephalopod, uh, especially the, the squid uh, and also the octopi. But now that I know more about their brains, I mm-hmm. uh, well, you know about how Fabulous they are as organisms in general, but also how uh, how intelligent an octopus uh, can be, and how arguably it's it's conscious, uh, how arguably it's it's in the same uh, neural zone as my cat. And I don't want to eat my cat. I can't bring myself then to eat the octopus either.
2: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling, is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Gene Eugene Fodor. Gene was we'll bored.
2: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
0: So you hide the books, Gene. And on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man Marie is a wiser woman.
2: But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas.
6: Get down!
2: I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on and its high time. You tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano!
1: Gene! Huh? Oh! Run!
2: So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination.
4: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development
5: God. Yeah, and a lot of this came up when we were talking about the book um, "Some We Eat, Some We Love, and Some yeah. We Kill." And is that right? Some eat, love, and kill.
1: I or think so. Just yes. a
5: follow-up to "Eat, Pray, and Love," yeah. and um, and it was talking about our weird relationship with animals and the way that we regard them, and that really was, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, I think something that brought up this sort of idea of personhood. And, and then we did the, of course, the episode on personhood, and we talked about these higher cognitive functions and some animals you know could they um were they conscious did they have uh complex social relationships yes and yes and so it sort of makes that area even a little bit murkier in terms of well is this a food source
1: yeah it's uh, and and like i say i i realize i'm a hypocrite by saying you know no to no cephalopods but i'm still okay with with you know pork if you force it on me and you know and chicken and whatnot I, we don't eat a lot of meat in, in our household we tend to rely on the on the vegetables but we will will still have uh you know a little chicken or, or, or fish here and there as uh, as need be so i don't know i mean i can i sometimes i think though that i'll maybe reach the point where i'll say no to all the meats and hopefully find a goat that I can have a, a consensual arrangement with, where the goat will, will <laughs> give me its its milk, and maybe the goat will make the milk into cheese for uh-huh. me. Because I feel like that's the big hurdle to me is that is the cheese factor. I don't know how I, I could give up the cheese meat. I feel like I can ultimately take a leave in the long run. But have
5: you heard choose. about this product called Beyond Meat?
1: No, but it sounds scary. So what is it?
5: It is uh, it's a one of the you know some simulacrums of of meat products that have come out recently that have apparently like gotten the sponginess of meat so the texture and the flavor mm. and the color right and and people are going nuts over this stuff hmm. so anyway my point is is that this may not even be a concern in 50 years yeah. when you have these um when you have these stand-ins, yeah, and
1: then well, of course, then all the animals that have gone extinct anyway. So well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, most of the things in the sushi bar are, are no longer with us. So send in the fake meat.
5: Beyond meat in your Beyond grocery meat. store somewhere? Is it really? Uh, yeah, actually it is. I'm not like a real grocery for store. Yeah, well Whole Foods. Okay. So if you want to go into a grocery store with really nice lighting, I think you will find it there right now. But I think their idea is to, to stock it in every single grocery store eventually.
1: Yeah. Well, I say put it in fast food, you know? I mean, we're already using things that are not really meat, but they come from meat. So why not just go ahead and go the extra mile? I mean, it's all deep fried anyway.
5: Cost, my friend, cost. Mm. Yeah. But we'll get to that eventually, too. Um, one other thing that I was thinking about is uh, the fact that We And we talk about this all the time, that we tend to create this blueprint in our mind and we rely on that instead of actually seeing things for what they are. And we have to do that because every time we enter a room, we can't take the mental energy to completely recreate it from the ground up. We have a memory of this room, a blueprint of this room. A map. A map. And so in a way, we limit ourselves with the very tools that allow us to move through the world In an efficient way. And so I thought that's something that's really come um, to my attention. And, and again, that comes back to this awareness, you were talking about earlier awareness of thoughts and trying to slow down and really see things as they are. And then I thought, this has completely underscored my appreciation for it and awe of people working in uh, various fields of science who are in the lab or, or in the field and going through mountains of data mm-hmm. and trying to find those, those, those bits of amazing things in the rote every day. And having those breakthroughs in our understanding that sort of recast how we see the world.
1: Yeah, because we kind of get to come in at the end of the process and celebrate how awesome it is. But we weren't there in the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> to, to see and, and be part of all the hours that went into preparing the dish,
5: or, or you know Marie Curie, like going through the pitch and finding the radium. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean the sacrifice, the real sacrifice of, yeah. of science.
5: Yeah, so that that definitely has been something that has uh, at the forefront of my mind, and, and as well as all the great science writers. Yeah, who have been able to talk about this in very meaningful ways.
1: You know, bringing up. Uh, uh, um, actual scientific sacrifice. It also makes everything I've said even more hollow. When I say, oh, well, in the course of this podcast, I, I, gave up eating some squid and, uh, and, you know, was maybe a little more in touch with, uh, with how the world works. And meanwhile, while, well, you know, someone else is like, well, I have cancer now because of radiation, because of my research.
5: Well, I know. And that's when I started to think about that. Like, what, what are the sacrifices of going through? Of course, now we know much more about the, the elements. And so presumably, Conditions are much safer, but you know there is there's a sort of um, trade off with obsession. Yeah, that that people sometimes in those fields find themselves.
1: Will in. you swallow a, a shrew to see what its bones <laughs> right, look like on right. the other side? You know? right?
5: <laughs> are you dedicated?
1: So there you have it. There's just a little insight into what the podcast has meant to us, and uh, and and. How it has changed us and how it, I mean, really, it, it, it comes down to it. We put out two episodes a week, pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. It, the, the show pretty much permeates every aspect of my life. Um, you know, if, if I'm, you know, no matter what I'm doing, there's a good chance that I might realize, hey, maybe this would make a good podcast. I wonder if there's something, what's the science of this that's going on? Uh, you know, be it, you know, spending time with my my son or, you know, traveling somewhere Mm -hmm. or eating something weird or suddenly realizing that I have no idea how a gadget in my house actually works, I might think, huh, I wonder if if that's something we can or should cover for the podcast.
5: It's true. And I think that both of us feel like we wish we had more, many more hours to actually um, put into this, but already you know we are pretty dedicated to trying to bring you guys um, the information that we think is really cool and important. And as you say, um, you know, thinking about it at all hours. In fact, I, both of us tend to send emails at odd hours yeah. about, like, "Hey, I was just looking at this, and this seems really cool." So. Um, so yeah, and that's a source of joy for me. So, um, this has been great to work on this podcast and, uh, look forward to, to even more very cool stuff. And again, this is definitely a conversation. Um, you know, the microchimera episode that we covered mm-hmm. was actually suggested by listener Shauna, which I did not mention at the top of that episode. And I completely should have shame on me, but, um, this is a great example of someone who was like, Hey, you got to cover this. This is incredible territory. So. Thanks, you guys, for, for keeping us uh, apprised of all of yeah, this.
1: Yeah, you continue to help us populate a great list of topics to come and topics that we've covered before and we'll cover again. That's the great thing about science. it's a, it, it, We're never going to run out of topics. Never. 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 Just try <laughs> us. All right. So, hey, in the meantime, you want to get in touch with us, you want to uh, talk with us about any of this, or maybe you just want to complain, uh, but you can find us uh, online, stufftoblowyourmind.com. That's the mothership. That's where our videos are, our podcasts blogs, etc. Everything we do winds up there in one uh, way or another. Uh, we're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and if you're old-fashioned and you want to use good old email to get in touch with us, is a way to do that as well.
5: Or if you're not old-fashioned and you're a total futurist, but you use email, you can do that, <laughs> and you can send us an email at blowthemind@discovery.com. at
0: No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get
1: with the times and switch to visible at visible.com. Monthly rate on the visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit visible.com. As important
2: as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good.
2: But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze Americano.
3: Huh? Gene, run.
4: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, in general. And we are your hosts of TMI